One, two, three, four. A ton of hardship with getting something like this off the ground and every day it's extremely hard. Learning how to work together and find each other's strengths and respect each other. It came easy to us. It came it came really easy to us. We're very complimentary in a lot of ways, but you know, it's something we really value. So we spend a lot of energy making sure that it's going to it's going to work. I am joined by Jana and Shira. They're the co-founders of Flourist, and Flourist is the only source for premium dry goods, including 100% traceable grains, beans, and freshly milled flour sourced directly from Canadian farmers. They have a flagship store in East Vancouver. If you guys have ever been, I know a lot of my listeners are from Vancouver. Um, so they originally started with the concept in 2013, where they were set up to create a company that celebrated grain and bean farmers while providing a much needed connection to higher quality, fresher flour and dry goods. So I'm so excited to have both of you guys on. I love florist. I love all things, just bread um, and also supporting local female owned businesses. So thank you both for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. Of course. And before we hop into Flowerist and everything that got started with that, I'd love to hear your origin stories, like your individual origin stories. So I know, Jana, you had previously worked in apparel design. Shira, you were in the food industry kind of. So I'd love to hear your individual stories and then we can talk about how you guys met. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I guess I'm the older one. So my life began sooner. So we'll go way back. No, just kidding. I basically um, grew up on the Gulf Islands and was kind of surrounded by people who really valued having a connection to food. Um, I guess a loose translation would be that my parents were hippies in the 70s. And it was a time when people were kind of like rejecting a lot of mainstream living and um, my parents and people like them were kind of seeking out, um, yeah, a different way of living. And so we grew up um, eating food from the garden. We grew up vegetarian. Um, we also grew up without a lot of money. Um, but my parents really kind of demonstrated that you didn't need a lot of money to eat a healthy vegetarian diet. They grew a lot of their own food. And I grew up you know, eating whole wheat flour and healthy bread. And I grew up really interested in food and kind of knowing that it was something you should make a priority. Um, when I was 30, um, I, you know, I had my family while I was doing that. I have two daughters. They're now grown. Um, I was a young mom. But um, after that, so 13 years in retail, grocery, and then I actually kind of transitioned away from any type of storefront to doing B2B sales for a local coffee roaster here in town. So it was a, during that time that I met Jana. So I did that for about six years. And in that time, I you know got a little antsy and I'm, I've always considered myself to be pretty entrepreneurial. So I started a not-for-profit on the side and started food blogging because I have tons of excess energy apparently and yeah started sharing recipes and kind of doing my own thing on the side yeah and then in 2013 uh, that kind of ended and I was in a bit of a transition period but I was really enjoying the creative part of what I was doing with the you know taking pictures of food and Instagram and all that stuff was kind of on the rise and that was when Jana approached me with her grand idea um, having already kind of introduced me to the products because we had become friends and uh, this will be a good segue into her story because you know when she first told me that her stepdad that she had you know a lentil and chickpea farmer in her family 
and that mm. she, you know, had access to these products direct from the farm, you know, it was, it was kind of like the game changing moment when my mind was blown. And I like to think that that's what happens when people first discover our products and realize what a difference it makes to buy products in this way. Yeah. And then we just kind of got started from there. Yeah. And my story is, is really different from that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I grew up in Calgary with deep roots in Saskatchewan. Both my parents were from there. So I had a lot of connections to farming, but it wasn't something I was exposed to all the time. Um, I just knew about it on the periphery and I moved to the coast to go to design school. I moved to Vancouver. Uh, I went to design school. I worked in the apparel industry here for a decade. My last, my last job was a, I was a designer at Mountain Equipment Co-op, formerly co-op now company. And yeah, it was, it was a great job. It gave me a lot of insight into, you know, how larger organizations really work where they do work and where they struggle. It showed me a lot about the steps to properly develop a product and commercialize something Mm -hmm. all the way through. And it actually taught me a lot about product integrity and really what it means to deliver a really ethical product. And so that was invaluable to me and definitely something that as my design career was was progressing, I really felt like I wouldn't have a future in apparel Mm -hmm. in a business that didn't do those things. I had a bit of a disconnect with continuing down a career path that wasn't valuing those things. So (laughs) while this was, while I was working there, Mm -hmm. um, I started to just ask questions about my family farm. So the the history there is that my mom married a farmer when I was 18. And when I moved to Vancouver, she moved to Saskatchewan. And so I started to learn about my new family and my new family's business as an adult. So I didn't really take anything for granted. I wanted to know more about the business. Like, how does it really work? And what I was learning was that most of the product my family grew was exported all over the world. It was sold through agencies and it got shipped. It got consolidated and shipped um, based on some really superficial characteristics, like how large the grain was, what color the grain was not, it didn't have anything to do with how it was grown, who grew it, when it was grown, Mm -hmm. what the nutrient density was, you know, like things that really matter when it's food. And so I just started to see a real disconnect between this commodity market that was Mm -hmm. trading huge quantities of food all over the world. And then I compared that to what was available in my grocery store. And I really felt like there was a way to do better. There was just a way to represent Canadian products better. And so, but I mean, I knew how to commercialize a product in clothing. I knew how to get something manufactured. I knew how to, you know, tell some of those stories but I didn't know anything about the food industry. I had no connections to food. And um, I had met Shira through friends at MEC. And um, I knew she had this really, these deep roots in the food industry. And so, yeah, I just said, you know, like, hey, I have this idea. You're obviously extremely passionate about um, chickpeas and lentils because I've been bringing them to you and you really like them and no one else really cares, but I think they will if we can, if we can tell it properly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. So it seems like you guys have both very different journeys, but like complementing 
like skill sets that have come together. I'd, I'd love to hear what it's like working with your best friend, like starting a business, because I went to UVic business school and maybe this is like an old school way of, you know, teaching something, but they always said, don't get into business with like your friends. And I've interviewed other founders. If you know the brand Cotton, it's K-O-T-N and it's a clothing home brand and it's a husband and wife duo. And they, they also have a third partner, but I interviewed them and they said it was amazing. Obviously there's struggles and like bringing work back homes, but I would love to hear what it's like again, working with your best friend. Is it easier? Cause you guys can maybe be more upfront when there's some like challenges or yeah. How do you kind of separate that from your friendship in the business? Yeah. I think that's a really, I think it's a great question. And I mean, like any relationship, it's evolving. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing with us is we were friends, but we were not best friends when we started mm-hmm. the business. So we came together really over this business. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of hardship with getting something like this off the ground. And every day it's extremely hard. Um, and so learning how to work together and find each other's strengths and respect each other. It came easy to us. It came, it came really easy to us. We're very complimentary in a lot of ways, but you know, it's something we really value. So we spend a lot of energy making sure that it's going to, it's going to work. And like, there's lots of days that's easier than others, but you know, we have a very, we have a big team. Mm -hmm. Um, We've just gone through a global pandemic along with everyone else. And you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's lots of strains, but I think ultimately we, we work really well together. So, and we, we really respect and value the things that make us different mm-hmm. in each other. And, and so that part has come fairly easy. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting, you know, Jenna's point about how we were, we were kind of bound by, I think this like mutual respect um, when we started out, you know, we funnily enough, like met through, a close friend that we both shared who Jana mm-hmm. also worked with at MEC who was a designer and um hope she listens to this because she had actually gotten pregnant and was like going through her own life phase and that was when Jan and I kind of started spending more time together because it was like oh mm-hmm. gee well, we like each other and that <laughs> make sense like let's do this and you know I had started blogging and Jana was like it's actually quite funny because I I had my nonprofit and I was doing these like fundraiser things and Jenna actually got involved with some of those efforts. And it was, it was through interacting with her that way and seeing what a go-getter she was. And like, also we, we um, threw our, our pregnant friend a shower mm-hmm. and it was, it was that event when it was like, okay, there's, it was a test us. project. It like was like yeah. showing like we could there's work together. Us involved, <laughs> and I was like, I think I initiated the list of like stuff to do and Jana would just write me back and be like, done, 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 done. I'm going to do this. And this is the thing. And okay, what else do you do? And I was like, what the heck? like this person is like totally amazing. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be, I say this all the time. Like it would be this business, particularly this business, but I think any business would be extremely lonely and, and impossible. I, I, I have such an unbelievable amount of like, respect for founders who are lone founders because the amount of second guessing and checking in with each other and like, you know, just getting opinions and like, we're living in this world where these like, you're a small company and you're, you're the branding person, you're the social media person, Mm -hmm. you're the marketing person, you're dealing with like all of these outside pressures that like having an internal sounding board, I think is, 
is everything. And Mm -hmm. we do, thankfully, you know, we share enough of the same strengths that Mm -hmm. it makes us really strong in certain areas, but you also have to be really cognizant always of where you need to find other help (laughs) Um, because, you know, even though we're, we're in a lot of ways, a total package, like Mm -hmm. there's definitely things that, you know, we're both really good at, which again, makes us super strong in those areas. There's things that we're individually strong at, for instance, like don't get me to fill out a form. <laughs> she ends up with all these, like, I'm a designer. I'm yeah. also not good at forms, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> marginally better than me. Um, so there's those areas where you're like, okay, who, who, who's going to be the, who's going to suck the least at this really terrible job that nobody wants to do. Right. But like at some point you're like, okay, well, we have this situation on our hands and mm-hmm. we really actually, neither one of us is qualified to do this. So what are we going to do? And that's where like, you really have to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and each other and, and have that like maturity and self-awareness to be able to identify those instances. No, it does. It does. And I'm curious to know growing the team. So started off with just the two of you guys to now a larger team. How did you grow the team while still maintaining that vision and ensuring that kind of every employee was in line with that. Yeah. I mean, that's an always challenge. Um, mm-hmm. and the team, it, it changes, it changes constantly, um, with the nature of the business we now have. Um, and so, yeah, we, we try and create as many systems as we can to make sure that those values are woven into everybody's role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's hard. We we um, when we were growing the team, it was easy because we were always together, mm-hmm. and everyone understood the why and the how and what the vision was. But you know, with two locations and actually, you know, really different um, business categories now, um, it takes a lot of effort just to make sure that people, new people, understand. If if we have a new barista coming on. They might think we're a coffee shop, um, but, you know, we really have a much deeper reason for being. And um, yeah, it it comes down to educating and empowering our managers Mm -hmm. and doing as much work as we can to be close with everyone we hire. Um, I wouldn't say we've mastered it yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think it'll continue to be a challenge as we grow, Mm -hmm. but really making sure that, yeah, our managers are fully empowered to represent the reasons why we exist. Totally. Yeah. And my, my podcast is called Well Now It. It's kind of originally started when I graduated from university. It was that big question, what the heck do I do after school? Um, so I'd love to hear if you guys had any well now it moments specifically with Flower Risk. Were there any moments where like, I don't know if we can keep going, whether that's through the pandemic or even now. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, you know what? We're really, really stubborn people. So <laughs> It's a good thing in business for sure. We've never, I wouldn't, I want to say we've never really had a moment. I, I also think too, we're, if you really like commit yourself in big mm-hmm. ways, you don't really have an option to say, well, now what? I mean, we have, mm-hmm. well, now what's we, we change and adapt all the time, but mm-hmm. never is it like, okay, we need to retreat. We've never really given ourselves that option. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because it came up just recently because we have a, a long time supplier, one of our packaging suppliers and, and they changed, they discontinued our product. And it's one of the oh. products we've been buying for a long time. And mm-hmm. I was explaining to our production manager, I was like, you know, in those early days, if we hadn't been able to source this product locally mm-hmm. and 
um, affordably and in quantities we could we could buy, we would have been like, well, I don't know if we can do this business. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> we might not have had anything if we hadn't had that one paper bag supplier. Um, and so being a, facing that problem now, when you're a business of our size, we have a lot more options, but I reflect often on the little things that kind of had to fall into place for us to be able to move forward mm-hmm. in those early days. And yeah, things, things did just sort of, um, I mean, we, we pursued things very actively, things like, mm-hmm. you know, affordable rent and mm-hmm. <laughs> infrastructure and packaging and all those decisions. But yeah, I mean, they sort of did flow easily for us in that time and place. And I think many of them could have presented a, mm-hmm. okay, well now what? That's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And on my podcast, I often talk about relationship with food. And I know that's a passion for the both of you guys. And I've talked about it, whether it's been like a strained relationship with food or like a healing relationship. So I'd also love to hear your relationship with food. I'm just kind of curious to know what it's like constantly being surrounded by it, um, either with you share having to recipe develop. Does that affect how you cook for yourself? Because it's your work. Um, Yeah, I would just love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a very timely question, um, seeing that I've actually just returned from my first like real holiday since COVID started. Um, mm-hmm. We are very lucky in that we, we do get to travel from time to time. My husband and I mm-hmm. both really enjoy spending time like overseas and in Europe in particular, because the lifestyle is just so different than it is here. And like, I was sort of like, feeling after this long stretch of not really having a break and like the intensity of, you know, navigating all the stuff we went through during the pandemic. And, you know, I just feel like we've just been in this like absolutely like siloed way of living because we kind of had to be like our team has grown, our business has grown, you know, we've been through an absolute ton, you know, it was starting to feel like, Oh, I have to, I have to make content and, and, mostly that stuff comes fairly easy to me because it's what it's, it is what I really love to do. Like Mm -hmm. I I love creating recipes. I love taking the photos. I get really excited when, you know, fresh lettuce comes in and like everything's Mm -hmm. looking beautiful. Um, But it, it is one of those things where, you know, being around food, that was the part I was actually most looking forward to about having Mm -hmm. a holiday and people are like, Oh my Mm -hmm. God to France like I can't wait to hear about the food uh, <laughs> you're gonna eat so many delicious pastries and all mm-hmm. in my head the whole time I'm thinking I can't wait to take a break from food you know I can't wait to just like not have it be in my face all the time because mm-hmm. um it can actually just get to be like a lot you know when you have to totally it, it sound, I don't mean to make it sound like a burden because like mm-hmm. it, we, we make the most amazing stuff to have to, to product test, Mm -hmm. but, you know, much like someone who works in the wine business and is walking Mm -hmm. you through a wine tasting, they're not actually drinking the wine, you know, they're spitting because that's Mm -hmm. just like a a part of their job that, you know, they Mm -hmm. can't be drinking all the wine. So I think, you know, when you work in the food business and you're surrounded by it, a lot of the time, I think a, a shift in perspective can be really helpful. Mm-hmm, make sure that you're not you know because stress eating pastries cookie you know they're there they're there yes it's yeah. a constant temptation all the time so um yeah you want to kind of keep it keep it more moderate I would say I'm yeah and- yeah I, I I find um I mean I used to really enjoy baking I used to really enjoy um cooking more elaborate things and had as much energy for that lately 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be due to a lot of things. I mean, we are surrounded by really good baked goods all the time. So I feel less drive to do that. And mm-hmm. I also have a five-year-old, um, you know, it's also been really like pressure cooker of a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would say I do less of that. I have less energy um, to spend towards that, but when I do, mm-hmm. I love it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it comes back, it comes back easily. And, and I should add that like, you know, the, the circuit breaker, you know, just taking a step back was actually so revitalizing to like, mm-hmm see what's happening out there and come home and just be like, Oh my God, like, I just can't wait to make X, Y, and Z. And like, Mm -hmm. that's how I know when I'm on the right track rather than just like feeling like, okay, I have to make a recipe featuring this ingredient. I got to get it out, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, so it feels really good to kind of be back and be, you know, local produce coming in and it's, it's just time. Yeah. Yeah. That's refreshing to hear. Cause I feel like when I was growing up, um, I feel like my parents were like, find a job that you love. And I feel like that's kind of impossible. Like there's going to be waves where you really like it, where you're, you know, it's not, not so great. Even with, for example, my podcast, it's a passion project. I have like a, a nine to five and I go through waves where I'm like, this is the most amazing thing. I'm so glad I get to do it. And then I get uninspired. So it's nice to hear that you both have those moments of, you know, it goes up and down, especially with food, because we need it every day. We need to nourish ourselves. And when you're constantly either like surrounded by it or you have to recipe develop, it can definitely, you know, take the maybe magic away from it sometimes. Um, so thank you for just being honest about that. Cause I know it's not easy. Yeah. I would like to just counter that by saying, mm-hmm. I think that that notion of find a job doing what you love is, mm-hmm. is really tough. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think it puts too much pressure on the situation because yeah, work mm-hmm. ultimately is work. And mm-hmm. if you're going to do something and you're going to give it your all, it's always at some point going to feel like work, even if you love it at other times. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's okay. <laughs> so yes, it's yes. important to find something that you enjoy it. Obviously don't do something mm-hmm. you really don't enjoy, but also don't expect it to be amazing every day because that's not life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I do think that that's a very, very important point also because like, you know, even when it comes to recipe developing, sure. I love conceptualizing the recipes. I love, you know, thinking about what I'm going to do, getting ideas. I draw it, I sketch it, you know, I've got this whole Mm -hmm. thing, but like I take the photos, I edit the photos and then like, I have to, I have to type it out. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to do this. So there's like, Mm -hmm. there's a part of everything that like, you're going to have like the creative fire, which is the easy Mm -hmm. part. And then you're always going to have the follow-up to that, which will always, always, always rely on discipline mm-hmm. and like a, a strong work ethic. And like, that's just, that's just all there is. So yeah. like, and success is 90% execution. I'm mm-hmm. always going to say that yeah. there's a mm-hmm. lot of mediocre ideas that mm-hmm. get followed through really well and executed really well and end up being really successful. And you can apply that to almost any industry any concept, you know, from academics to business to anything, um, execution is really the game changer. So at some point executing is going to be hard. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You work for sure. I agree. Yeah. Going back to Jan and I Mm -hmm. being complimentary, like we, I've never, I've yet to find someone that like can keep pace and like, we are both pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty good in that regard. So Mm -hmm. we just never, we never have to doubt that either one of us is going to be there to get done what has to be done. And yes. that's, that's where I think we're really strong. 
Yes. And having a co-founder, do you find that it's you know easier to take time for yourself? You guys live crazy busy lives being moms. I can't imagine what that's like. So yeah. How do you find time for yourself to step away from the business? Because it seems like you guys are quite hands-on. Yeah. I mean, it, having a co-founder makes it easier mm-hmm. to step away, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it happens very often. <laughs> um, you have to set those intentions and make mm-hmm. make it happen. Because the other thing is, I think that this would happen no matter what, but with a co-founder, you know, there's not a lot of boundaries. So like we're texting mm-hmm. about something personal, but then we'll, you know, we'll, the conversation will almost inevitably drift to something work-related or staffing right. issues or suppliers or, so um, I, I think that's no matter what, it's not unique to our situation. I think it's something um, we always have to work towards. There's not starting businesses like this. It's, it's really not all that conducive to carving out a ton of free time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And I would also just add to, you know, what I mentioned about work ethic. It's like, it's like great to have that to hang your hat on, so to mm-hmm. speak. And like, know that we can get done what needs to get done because as you know jenna said it, it is it feels like it's constant and like mm-hmm. yeah like if if we could not sleep you know we both probably <laughs> be perfectly happy to like sit mm-hmm. side by side we enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. you know we could work 24 hours a day and do it but like that's just not reasonable and and mm-hmm. nor is it even close to healthy so like i think that part of the challenge for entrepreneurs, but I, you know, I'll speak for myself mm-hmm. and for Dana, like we're constantly, you know, when we get to those place, those places where we're like, oh man, I'm really burnt out or like, you know, mm-hmm. this or something, or things just are off. Like, you know, we have to be able to, you know, build that in. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. like the ultimate challenge, I think is to say like, no, I need time for myself. I need mm-hmm. an hour. I need an evening or I need mm-hmm. a couple days. Like um, that is definitely easier said than done, but like that is that is something that we have to also be able to brag about at some point. And I think that would be <laughs> no, yeah. I'd imagine it's hard to just kind of turn your brain off on that side of things, especially when you have like a team like looking up to you as you're leading um, and like having to take that time to step away from it if you really need it. So yeah, I imagine that's really hard to, to juggle. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I feel like, I feel like the last couple of years in particular, mm-hmm. you know, COVID took away all of our other opportunities or what felt like our opportunities. And so it was mm-hmm. almost like, I'll speak for myself on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of like a license to just dive right in, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's nothing mm-hmm. else going on. So like, I'm just gonna, you know, really commit to this. Cause like, there's so mm-hmm. many fires to put out. Um, but then, you know, eventually you're like, oh my God, okay, this is not a battlefield. Like, just (laughs) just chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would love to end the episode with some rapid fire questions if you guys would be interested. Um, okay. So the first one, what is your favorite item from Flowerist? It could be like baked goods, anything that you guys sell or make. Um, (laughs) I have two. Okay. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is like our classic pan loaf mm-hmm. um, or anything made with our like classic sourdough dough. So our boule, yeah. but our pan loaf, like if you are really, really hungry, 
or have not had bread for a couple of days mm-hmm. and you slice into one of our pan loaves, like you could almost cry. Yes. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll just leave it at the one. Mine, I was going to say, I, I rarely get to have our olive loaf because we don't make that many and they sell out almost every day. But the other mm-hmm. day we had one strangely left over. I think it got forgotten and um, I took it home and it was really good. Like, I, okay. I haven't had the olive loaf yet. Cause I, again, it's always, so I'll have to, I'll have to get that next time. Uh, okay. This was a suggestion from Nicola, but who do you think between the both of you is the better cook? <laughs> Shira, Shira is, but she can't bake. Oh no. Okay. Okay. So you're no. the better baker. She's the better. Baker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask me to bake anything. <laughs> um, okay. What is your ideal morning routine if you could have one? Okay. So I will say, I know, you know, I think your audience does skew a little bit younger than mm-hmm. me and, and younger than Shira, because I, um, I used to, I used to appreciate morning routines and actually we're on different mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum. So, um, yeah, I read a lot of, um, things in the, like the wellness industry. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of influencers talk about their morning routines, but mm-hmm. I really want someone to do like, um, like a follow-up after some of these influencers have kids because yes, I want to hear it. I will, so what is your morning routine then? <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, you start with lemon water and you meditate <laughs> and you breathe for 15 minutes or half an hour. And then you might exercise. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, um, that all sounds really nice, but mm-hmm. my more, my favorite, my, I mean, my morning routine looks very different. So a mm-hmm. perfect morning is my five-year-old will wander into my bed at like 6 15. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll have enough patience to like snuggle with me for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we shift right into Lego and coffee drinking. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, whether it's it's Monday or Saturday, it more or less mm-hmm. flows the same. Get dressed, walk the dog. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of mellow time. So yeah, if I can okay. get out of the house on time without any massive like forgetting the lunch or doing all those Mm -hmm. things it's a big win for me (laughs) (laughs) you do really well at that like thanks yeah yeah Yeah. I mean you got to have a system so (laughs) totally yeah if there's no time for breathing or exercising usually (laughs) or um lemon water so it's just coffee (laughs) okay Well, I just need to cap that off by saying I still manage to be later more frequently than she does. And I've got a young child or a needy pet that needs to be walked. I have a cat. Honestly, my morning routine like changes a, a little bit, but the one mm-hmm. thing is constant. I'm usually up really early. Um, I get up anywhere between five and five thirty, and like the first thing that I do is make like put my water on for my French press. So that's like the mm-hmm. unchangeable thing um, that I do in the morning, and like that, I do kind of laugh because I wasn't always a super early riser. So when Jan and I first started working together, I need like an hour of quiet time in the morning. So like that that hour is kind of sacred to me, but mm-hmm. I used to need it between like eight thirty and nine thirty. <laughs> 
like this is not gonna work (laughs) and then it would like it's yeah over the years it's gotten earlier and earlier but like yeah okay years I've been I've been early and I do really like that and my cat makes sure that I can't sleep in anymore um but honestly my whole morning routine is about Mm -hmm. coffee I I have kind of taken to doing some journaling sometimes I work sometimes I read sometimes I do a bit of Mm -hmm. online shopping I wish I did (laughs) me as well but yeah I just need that one hour of of time before I actually do anything. Um, and that's the one thing that never really changes. Yes. Yes. Also, you'll note that we're not great at the rapid fire things. No, it's okay. It's okay. We love the prolonged answers. I like it. Don't worry. Um, and the next one, what is one of your favorite birthdays that you've had? Mine will be short. I threw myself a massive party when I turned 36 and I've been to throw myself another. Um, it was a big house party. Jenna was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a big 30th birthday party, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like did it at a, in the, on the patio of a restaurant mm-hmm. that has now closed and it was, it was really, really great. But, you know, typically I like them more low key. Last year we went, we mm-hmm. took more or less year and I took the morning off and we went swimming in a river in North Van for the for, oh, nice. for a little hike and like things yeah. like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then last question, what's an award that your friends and family would give you? hardest working <laughs> that's good um, are you a capricorn no but i have some capricorn energy oh my okay gosh. she's oh my a virgo, like big virgo energy okay i'm a cancer though but what's my capricorn okay. oh Mer- uh, my Mercury. mars and oh my mars mars okay and... you have one other capricorn but yeah i mean what would they give us oh my god what is one award that your family would give you friends or family most yeah negligent <laughs> never That's following it. up on their texts or calls <laughs> yeah yeah most um, most dedicated to business least interested in family life <laughs> oh no. um there's got to be something more positive no there has to be you mean each so each of us would have our own probably you would have your own word yeah it doesn't have to be like a super serious one like i'd definitely get like I ghost my friends often on text. Like I, I forget if I don't answer right away, I probably won't answer. I'm not great at that. <laughs> um, do you, are you an Aquarius? I'm, like, I'm a Capricorn. You're a Capricorn. Okay. I'm a Capricorn. That's why I was like, maybe you are as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, yours would just be the best salad maker. Oh yeah. I'm the best Ooh. salad maker for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. What's your like best salad? Now I'm really curious. Oh, I have 1 million. Like if you ask me to make a salad, I can make it 10 out of 10. <laughs> Every no, time. Yeah. Yeah. I have extreme confidence. In that area. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really good at giving birthday gifts. Okay. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. She's actually the best. But like having said that, like Jana also is like the best advice giver. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah. So I just gave her, gave her an award. Best advice, best gifts. <laughs> yeah that's the case yeah those are really good well thank you both so much for coming on it was so lovely hearing more about your story um but i really appreciate it but if everyone wants to follow you guys individually and also flowerist where can they find you guys well at flowerist mm-hmm. and i'm at jana bishop with three n's in the jana okay. and i'm just shira mcd on instagram awesome. awesome well thank you both so much really appreciate that Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, this was great. Thanks, Amanda.